You're listening to the World Soccer Talk podcast, the only podcast about watching soccer on TV and online. Welcome to episode 170, coming up on this week's show. Bundesliga announces the return to their regular season. All the details on how to watch the Korean League starting this weekend. BR Live takes down the paywall to offer more classic games to viewers. Plus, we have letters from you listeners in our mailbag section. I'm Christopher Harris, a.k.a. The Gaffer, alongside Kartik Krishnayer. Uh, if you um, perceive a uh, kind of a, a increase in the, in the excitement levels here, Kartik, I think it's because of the Bundesliga. It's, uh, it's coming back and it'll be the, I, I guess, the first major league in quotation marks. I mean, we've had um, the Korean League uh, will kick off this weekend. Um, so depending on which part of the world you're in, you might think of it as a major league or maybe perhaps not. Um, those of us in America probably would say no, but, but anyway, the, the Bundesliga is coming back and, uh, fingers crossed, right? Unless something happens between now and then, um, May 15th returns. Yeah. The K league is actually was at one time considered a pretty strong league, probably on par with major league soccer. I think it's fallen behind MLS and the J league in Japan. Now J league in Japan is actually very good, uh, probably better than major league soccer uh, and the Australian A league. At one time it was part of that kind of four pack of, if you would call if you want to call it that of emerging leagues in, in Asia Pacific and, and the United States on either side of the Pacific ocean. So uh, the K league is some quality. If, if you want to check that out, certainly better than uh, Belarus or Nicaragua, which have played through this, certainly an upgrade in quality over those. Uh, but yeah, the Bundesliga uh, uh, is going to be back next weekend. And the thing that's really interesting to see about this, I think, Chris, is it again shows uh, the level and there's a lot of discussion of this in, in the news, uh, in, on, in online, in magazines, the discussion points about how Germany has handled this crisis in a more methodical, scientific, and organized way than the rest of Western Europe and the United States and Canada, right? The rest of the Western world, basically. And how uh, they, uh, like Korea, uh, their sports restarting earlier is a benefit of their uh, their good planning, their strong organization, and the kind of structure they had uh, to, to do this. Now, uh, so those of you hoping that the that the Premier League will quickly follow suit, I don't think it's possible. In fact, I I, I think the situation in England, at least uh, just COVID nineteen related, is getting in in Britain is getting worse and worse and worse as as time goes on. While we're seeing a thawing in Germany, we're seeing some improvement in places like the United States. We're definitely seeing some improvement in Italy. Uh, England, uh, Britain, Great Britain seems to be uh, uh, getting worse. They don't have a handle on this thing, unfortunately. Yeah, there's been a lot of people, though, Kartik, especially on Twitter, they've been talking about like how Germany's the, the, the prime example of how, how it should be done. But, I mean, they have what, COVID-19 cases, coronavirus ca- cases among some of their players that they've tested. Um, I, I mean, we, we don't know until this... a little this... worrying, right? Didn't you see the report that... In Cologne? Of the, they, 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 uh, sorry to cut you off, but I think this is such an important point, Chris. They touted it as, oh, we only had 10 positive cases among the people right, who tested the league. Right. right. But that's still 10 positive cases, right? Exactly. Exactly. And, and that's the thing, though. I mean, fingers crossed, knock on wood, hopefully the league will begin next weekend uh, as planned behind closed doors. I mean, which is not going to be that exciting. But 
um, and then we'll just start moving forward in terms of having these games played. I think the players are going to be in hotels where the public's not in, uh, allowed to go inside, so it's a very con- controlled environment. Um, my is- my issue, though, Kartik, is that uh, just just in general, especially on Twitter, people are talking about like any any chance for any criticism about the Premier League. It's you know, the criticism comes in well and hard. Uh, and the Bundesliga, it's like, oh, well, look at the German league. They're doing everything perfect. Meanwhile, you had leagues like, what, Liga MX that were playing, uh, continuing to play. There's been very little to no criticism from the U.S. soccer media about the Mexican league. But any chance there is to criticize the, the Premier League, I mean, some people just go all in. They, they played an extra weekend, right? The uh, Liga Mekis, and that was a costly weekend. Mexico, actually, Mexico is a country whose response to this uh, is kind of similar to the United Kingdom in that they uh, they kept things open for an extra, a little too long, uh, in addition to uh, when everybody else shut down, so so about a week extra. Uh, you mentioned the, the closed doors. Now, this is the Bundesliga, right? If you played Serie A in front of closed doors, no offense, because I've People who listen to the show, people who read my stuff, know that I watch Serie I like the league. But if you played Serie A in front of closed doors, no one's going to really notice, right? Right. Well especially, well, especially those games in those big bowl stadiums yeah. where, yeah. you mean, the, the, the lower tier, like, like Napoli, the Napoli stadium is so decrepit and falling right. apart. But Sometimes you wouldn't even know that. Is, right. Is, driven by its atmosphere. I think they have the best atmospheres uh, of any top league in Europe. I would say Premier League is second. Uh, but uh, you're looking at uh, Schalke versus Dortmund without an atmosphere. Uh, the, the big derby as we return from uh, uh, from this break. So that's... I, I mean, I guess I will obviously embrace it. I watch the Bundesliga anyway, so the fact that it's resuming means I'll watch it. But um, when I think about empty stadiums in Germany... It's, it, that's really difficult. And again, Italy, as you said, they're bowl stadiums. Uh, they, there were so many times we watched matches in Italy anyway where there was uh, no crowd um, because of uh, whatever uh, whatever uh, sort of violation they had of UEFA protocols, whether it was racism or, or other things. But yeah, so let's I to your other point about the critiques of the Premier League, there's been a lot of critiques of the Premier League. I think that it's it's generally Britain, okay? The people who are singling out the Premier League uh, are making a mistake because the Football League was equally slow. Uh, the Football League was equally um, kind of um, obstinate, if you want to say that, but I don't know that they were really obstinate because when you think about it, so much of this had to do with their, their government's response, which was slow. And they're is a cultural issue at play here. As I've been um, analyzing the the British response to coronavirus, uh, there's been a feeling that shutting down and doing things properly at the front end, there was a, something that was un-British about it because um, this is a country that continued to function during World War II and, and bombs were dropped on, on, on London and on Norwich and on uh, Cardiff and on the, you know, the great, the great port cities and on, on their great commercial center. So they, um, they, they're used to functioning through these things. And that's one of their, one of the places they get their strengths from, right? Uh, you, you hear about World War II mythology all the time. This is a country that sent uh, soldiers uh, to the continent in World War One. did not see any fighting on the home front, uh, but had, enormous losses. So it's a country that culturally has kind of a different view of these things. And I think 
there was a feeling initially it was not a it was un-British to shut down, uh, to not play through these things, to not uh, keep things open, to, to to cancel gatherings that could give people some yeah, sort of relief. But, um, but, but you're paying for it now. But Kartik, relating to soccer, I mean, absolutely, the UK government made mistakes. Absolutely, the US government made mistakes. I'm, I'm sure there's a lot of other governments governments that made mistakes too that really underestimated uh, the impact. But with the Premier League, yes, in terms of uh, and, and the Football League, I don't remember them being in many games or if any games being played during the coronavirus scare. Uh, yes, they took a while. It was a last minute decision. You I mean they were kind of fumbling a little bit? Like oh, I think the Wednesday before the weekend games, they were like, "Yeah, maybe we should, maybe we shouldn't." And then by Friday, I think they said, "Okay, yeah, all the games for the weekend are, are, are done." Took- it took, and unfortunately, uh, compared to other leagues, they didn't have this issue. Uh, the, the, a prominent, prominent person in the game testing positive. I think Mikel Arteta's positive test is what um, people are pointing to, and that it took that for the Premier League to scrub uh, their games. Now, but, in but, fairness, but, Premier League scrubbed their games. They scrubbed the games. I, they uh, right, exactly. They, they scrubbed the games. And, and, and that's my point, too, is that, yes, they fumbled in the way they made the, the decision, but ultimately they made the right decision in, in not yeah. playing those games. But they're still being and criticized. And unlucky, right? I mean, it, or someone like Arteta may have, could have tested positive anywhere, right? That wasn't, that wasn't necessarily their fault. Um, but, that had come from playing in, in Europe. But, 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 but my, point, my point is they're still being criticized, even like what? eight weeks later and meanwhile the German Bundesliga has looked at it as like everyone's saying like oh the Germans are doing such a great job they've they're methodical step by step they're you mean but to me I mean yes the Premier League took their time but they made the same decision too Chris this goes back I think to the to the to the view that I and so many others have and we had John Nicholson on the show a couple months ago that the Premier League is solely focused on money and that's um, even though their response hasn't been terribly different to Serie A or La Liga in this case and the Bundesliga we know uh, for all its for its reputation uh, has clubs operating on the margin and they're concerned about money and that's why they're restarting right they probably wouldn't be otherwise uh, I think that that's the reputation whether it's fair or unfair people are going to judge the Premier League differently because there's a perception that's that's really uh, developed in the last few years that they're they're solely focused on money and they're solely focused on uh, the international market which but, uh, but they all may are or may not be true but then again, they all are i mean every league is focused on the money are, but but i'm saying there's a perception i'm, I'm not well, no, that, but, but that's that, that's my issue is the perception is and a lot of this comes from the u.s soccer media where they're like i mean any any chance to criticize or or uh, put blame towards the premier league they go all in um, and I think it's a problem in the UK too. If you if you're looking, I, yeah, yeah, UK too. There are more UK. There are more critics in the UK that in the last few years have kind of gotten more and more critical. If you listen to the Guardian podcast, uh, if you listen to Football Weekly with Max Rushton, and he has he doesn't have the same people on every week. He always has Wilson and and Glenn Denning, but the rest of the the carousel is I call it a carousel is 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 different people, and they're always criticizing the league for these sorts of decisions. So I think it's. And you're right, Chris. Well, there's a double standard. It, well, I think it, it, it's it, it's pretty well ingrained in football journalism now that to have maybe it's to have even credibility. You can't 
cheerlead for the Premier League. Yeah, and I get that too. And part of that too is being the top league in the world in terms of the most popular league is you're probably going to get more criticism than than other leagues where there's not much as much attention put on it. I, my my issue I have more so is just with the Bundesliga kind of being looked at as kind of like the the pinnacle, like the 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 league, the immaculate league that has made no mistakes and that everything's perfect and and. Uh, and that that's the perception that that's out there um and they bumbled this thing they actually as 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 we said just canceled uh, I, th- I think it was Freiburg and, and Fortuna, right? We're playing that Friday, yeah, right, and got canceled hours before the game. so let's play out a scenario here, Chris. ten positive tests in the Bundesliga, right they're touting that as a low number uh. You and I, I think, kind of are of a different opinion, saying, "My goodness, they're gonna, everybody's gonna play. That that's a problem." Um, what happens when the first player, when they test after a match, that tested negative prior, tests positive, let's say two or three days after a match? What happens to the Bundesliga? Do we know? Yeah, I, I don't think. I mean, we're going into uncharted territory. I think it's one of those things that um, I'm sure behind the scenes in the Bundesliga, they're talking about it. Um, safety contingencies and, and plans in place, and what does happen if, if and when. Um, and and, and I, I'll give credit to the Bundesliga in terms of kind of being more thoughtful or thinking through these different scenarios. They're probably more likely than other leagues to have those things in place or the, those kind of conversations been had rather than some other leagues that might just say, like, let's not even worry about that until it happens. I don't know, Kartik. I, I mean, it's again, it's. Um, yeah, I, I guess, it, and I'm sure we'll in the press we'll hear about. I mean, this whole thing has been stop and start anyway. So I'm sure we'll hear the players criti- being uh, criticizing and and being vocal. You'll hear the coaches, and so yeah, until it happens, um, we won't know, Kartik. I, I guess, but 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 with the Bundesliga, I mean, just actually kind of just uh, spinning off this one for a second is um, I think it was Walter Franco uh, on Twitter asked a question about. Uh, the Bundesliga coming back to Fox, whether the viewing figures for Fox would be higher than normal. What's your take on that, Kartik? Um, probably not. I mean, I think that uh, there's just been a, uh, a decline as time goes on during this break of interest in sports. Uh, what I'm finding is that people are kind of enjoying the break. And they're and they're catching up on old things. Not not only watching old matches, but these uh, this Chicago Bulls documentary, The Last Dance, on ESPN, uh, which I have not watched yet, and I really should actually. I, people have talked me into it. Now I feel like I'll have to binge on that soon and, and watch all six episodes that have happened thus far. And I think there's two more coming out this weekend. People have taken a break and they're watching this stuff and they're getting into nostalgia. Uh, should mention this weekend. Uh, I was pretty excited when I was looking at the program guide for NBCSN. They've got. Uh, coming this weekend, a number of classic games. And they haven't shown... So here's what they've done to this point, and we've talked about it on the show. They've shown these classic games from the NBC era of showing the Premier League, right? Yeah. Uh, and just shown their broadcast again with Arlo White and, and, and uh, Graham Lasso uh, and Lee Dixon, whoever else. Uh, and I have not been interested in that. I have not watched any of that or have watched very little of that. This weekend, they've got Premier League productions uh, bringing us some classic games from the 90s and 2000s. And a lot of games that uh, when I looked on the pro- program, I'm like, oh, my gosh, I remember that match. I got to tape that. So I... I I'm kind of excited about that, to be honest with you. I don't know if when the Bundesliga comes back, unless they, now if they stick it on Big Fox, 
which they certainly have the option of doing because nothing else is playing, maybe the ratings will go up. But if they keep it on FS1, I think it will probably be generally the same. Uh, there is a, a remaining uh, a, a derby with uh, between uh, uh, Dortmund and Bayern. That, I assume, will be on Fox. Fox, and that should get a, a big bump in numbers. There is a remaining uh, Leipzig-Dortmund match. Uh, there is obviously Schalke-Dortmund we talked about. There's no more uh, Leipzig-Bayern. That happened before uh, the break. But I don't think the ratings are going to be significantly higher. And I think, uh, Chris, the mm-hmm. other thing is that, uh, unfortunately, and I've, this is maybe something that's on my mind because I've been talking to so many people these last now eight weeks since we've been shut down about television ratings. The ratings in general for FS1 are terrible. So it's not just the yeah. Bundesliga. It's not just MLS. It's everything. And um, the conversations I've had is can can uh, Fox, who has sold the rest of their business or much of the rest of their business outside of uh, news uh, to Disney, can they continue to operate those two channels with such low ratings, with uh, um, diminishing properties on there and uh, and 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 continue on after this shutdown so uh, there's been a there's been a lot of chatter about fs1 and fs2 and i know uh once people listen to this podcast that are associated with fox they'll probably get very angry i'm raising this issue but that has been on my mind for a while now for this, several weeks because people are talking about it yeah this, they just don't know how those channel how those two channels stay in business if espn is having to lay off so many people and uh and and, and cut jobs if uh if uh, the uh uh, other three. So let's let's basically say right now there are three huge media uh, entities: Disney, because they bought a lot of. Well, they already were, but bought a lot of Fox's properties. There is Comcast, which owns NBC and NBCSN, and there's AT and T, which owns Bleacher Report, TNT, CNN, etc. If you're outside one of those three. Um, you're going to feel some pain. And the two that are outside of that, those three are CBS and Fox. But CBS is much more stable. And CBS has um, so much else going for them. Um, so there's a lot of concern about Fox networks in general, other than Fox yeah. News. There's so, FS1 and FS2 might be eventually on the chopping block, the Big Ten network I've heard concerns about. Right. Uh, so so let, me, let, let me jump in here because you raised a few very good issues. Um, one... Just, just specifically about the Premier League and the classic matches that are shown this weekend. So these are only 30-minute matches. So it's not the full-length match. Um, right. It's, it's very... Actually, I think they've shown a few of these before, too, in previous weekends. So it's not going to be your full 90 minutes uh, classic match. It's going to be kind of more the highlights, um, which, which I agree with you, too. I mean, I've... Well, we'll get into that a little bit later in terms of what I've been watching, but... Uh, I think overall, I think there's very little appetite for watching classic matches. And and that's something that before this whole coronavirus, I don't think any of us knew. I think a lot of a lot of times I would get feedback through World Soccer Talk, people saying like, ah, why doesn't NBC show old archive games or old archives of uh, Premier League uh, uh, goals of the season or, or you mean kind of match of the week or whatever it may be just to kind of uh, for filler some good, good filler that people would watch with the kind of anticipation or perception that those would get great ratings the reality Kartik you're right is whether it's the Premier League or whether it's uh, you mean anything that's been shown kind of classic matches uh, even other sports on, on FS1 or FS2 is no one's tuning in into it nobody there is no appetite for classic matches uh, classic games uh it's amazing i mean we had to go through this whole experience it's amazing how much of an appetite there is for live sports but going back to the bundesliga 
you're right, Kartik. A lot of people have tuned out. A lot of people are now doing different things than they were doing before. So whether they're watching binge binge watching on Netflix, watching Ozark or uh, the Tiger King or whatever it may be, or maybe they're um, maybe they're going out and doing things outdoors, or maybe they're just I mean playing board games or whatever they're doing, they're not doing it. Uh, attached to sports uh, on television as much as they were in the past. And, and we've seen that too just in the last, say, month or so, is just looking at um, the TV ratings for the games that are being shown on uh, B in Sports. So a lot of them are El Clasico. So every weekend you've got a different El Clasico from, say, I don't know, 2006 or 2010 or whenever it is. And every single week I've been watching those numbers and every single week those numbers drop probably about five to 10,000 people every single weekend and get smaller and smaller. So going back to what Fox is going to do with the Bundesliga and the Bundesliga coming back, exciting news for soccer fans, especially hardcore soccer fans who are still attached, still on, on the social media, still reading the blogs and, and, and you mean, anticipating all this news. I think for the hardcore fans, we're still in. The, the casual fans are, are gone. <laughs> whatever they're doing, if they're going to Netflix or whatever. So the issue that Fox will have is that just letting people know that these games are on. The second issue that they're going to have is, okay, these games are on. They're, be, they're being played behind closed doors. Uh, we've seen it. We've experienced it. The atmosphere for watching those games is not as good. It's not as entertaining. It's uh, as Bob Bradley says: "There's no soul in in football when the fans are not involved." So, from a TV viewing experience, it's not as good. I will watch those games for sure. I'm like salivating. It's been what eight weeks. Uh, by the time the Bundesliga comes back, it would have been nine weeks without uh, live kind of high-level, top-level soccer, I will probably watch every single minute of every single game. I'm just, like, so jonesing for for live soccer. But the reality is I I don't think this number's going to be strong from Fox. There's the opportunity to be big if they said, okay, right, let's put these games on Big Fox. I mean, what else is is on? Or let's put these games on FS1. And then let's really, really just kind of put our effort and energy into this. We've got all these people that are sitting around doing nothing all day, uh, that were they're on salary, you know, the Lexi Lalises, the Stu Holdens, the John Strongs, all these different people paying good money. And uh, let's actually put them, and, and Rob Stone, let's have them go all in on the Bundesliga and try to get the most out of this and try to end the Bundesliga on Fox on a high. You mean that that that's that's what I would do, whether they that would do would be it or not. Interesting if they if they could bring John Strong back and have him call a couple of these matches because they've they've generally winded down or wound down his uh, his involvement with the Bundesliga over the last year or two. Yeah, uh, Holden uh, still is there uh, in the studio from time to time. Lawless is all the time. So uh, you've got a core of Lawless, Holden. Uh, Warren Barton, Keith Costigan, uh, Ian Joy, Kate Abdo, and you've got also the potential to bring John Strong back in. Uh, they could make this quite good. They also have uh, the freelancers like Janus and and uh, and, and, and Ross Dyer that they could bring uh, into the. Uh, you know, I expect Ross Dyer might be part of the uh, the coverage. Um, 
when they go. Well, you enjoy his left fox, right? Uh, since uh, well, he, or, uh, he he will leave once the Bundesliga is over. Once the Bundesliga season is yeah. over, right? So you've got the possibility of having all of these uh, these names and faces associated with uh, uh, the Bundesliga and doing a really knockoff knockout job on, on the coverage. They have at times, and again, I mean, we talked about this a lot, and I've talked about this in, in my writing, maybe more on this podcast. There is this wild inconsistency from Fox. They will mail it in if some if a match is on FS. Two. If a match is on FS1 and let's say it involves Bayern, then there will be a full pregame show. Ian Joy will always be on his game. Lawless, uh, the Lawless you get from for, that that people don't like with the national team, U.S. national team, and and uh, MLS. Uh, that's not the same Lawless you get on the Bundesliga coverage. Very very uh, uh, detail oriented, very uh, analytical. He is on those broadcasts. Uh, it's I think he knows it's a different audience. So he behaves differently and and and. Uh, does quite a good job, I think. And then when Holden's on, obviously Holden adds an extra layer of analysis. So they they, they could hit a home run with this. Yeah. We just don't know what we're going to get from Fox uh, when they cover the Bundesliga. And right. I think those inconsistencies being ironed out is why people are so excited about the product going to ESPN next year. There's also another possibility, which is Rob Stone could be brought in to do these games uh, because he doesn't have uh, he has this Fox indoor soccer thing, which I know you'll talk about uh, a little later. But he there's no college football. There's no college basketball. I don't know when um, I actually had a conversation with someone, a high level person in an, in an athletic department uh, yesterday, uh, college athletic department, who says they're thinking that uh, uh, college college football uh, is not going to start till October and they may just play conference games or they may have to condense uh, the schedule or extend the season in college basketball. Maybe we're looking at December. Uh, so so Kartik, that would give Rob Stone the ability. They would, they would give Fox the ability to use Rob Stone on these broadcasts. As well. Yeah. Yeah. He's available for sure. He, he could do it. He did the, the Fox indoor soccer on, on Sunday. I think it was. Um, so any guesses what uh, FS, FS1 showed last night on Wednesday night? Um, you mean kind of their featured programming, primetime programming? I mean, it's a, it's a wild question. But the, the answer is they sh- were showing Rocky Three. <laughs> wow. So Rocky Three uh, was uh, on FS1 last night. Uh, but going back to what you said, though, about FS1 and FS2, yeah, who's watching sports? I mean, without live sports... I mean, there. I mean, the longer this goes on, and 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 this is probably this is definitely more in your kind of um, wheelchair wheelchair as far as kind of the the college football, the NFL football, and other traditional American sports. Is the longer this goes on, where those sports are not being played, that is going to hit. I mean, not just uh, ESPN, but yeah, the FS ones, the FS twos of the world. Big time, hard. It, even if people are not tuning in, uh, if there's no those, those live games, so they're losing millions of dollars. And um, and, and and soccer could be one of those things that kind of gets. Uh, yes, they have the rights to the World Cup from Fox, but uh, it could be one of those things where they say, "Hey, we just don't have the uh, the money to keep on." You mean investing in the talent? I mean, it could be um, cuts uh, down the road. Uh, I could see that happening. Icotic, um yeah. What are, so I, I did mention Fox Soccer Indoor or Fox Indoor Soccer, which showed on Sunday night. It's been every week now. Uh, I only watched about five minutes of it. I tuned in to watch the uh, the interview with Don Garber, uh, hoping to get some enlightenment, some uh, illumination in terms of some information that uh, where Major League Soccer is, and it, it was a lot of nothing. There was really no substance there, nothing newsworthy there. So it was good to see him on camera. 
Um, uh, but I didn't watch the rest of it. I think they had an interview with uh, Jurgen Klopp. Uh, Rob Stone did, but I didn't hear anything after the fact in terms of anything uh, breaking news. But um, I would imagine too with Jurgen Klopp is probably just more of a heartfelt like you know this is you mean we're experiencing this whole thing and we're going through this together and it it's horrible but it is what it is. What I've been watching Kartik from this past week, I've gone down a rabbit hole, <laughs> gone down the rabbit hole of YouTube, and I've been watching uh, a lot of Match of the Day from the 1980s and with Jimmy Hill, Bob Wilson, and just a few things. It's some observations because I'm watching these, um, watch probably, I don't know, six or seven episodes at least. And it, to me, I, I love watching it because it shows what English football was like before the Premier League and uh how poorly run it was and how um how poor it was in terms of you mean comparing that to today where you mean talking you're talking you mean the billions of dollars millions of dollars i mean tons of money how little money was in the game but some of the interesting observations i got from watching these games was number one is I think there's a perception with uh, managers that, uh, especially English managers, that they always were in the dugouts. They were always uh, kind of old school managers. Would, and then you'd, you'd, the perception was that uh, maybe some of the uh, continental European managers, maybe the the Spaniards or Portuguese or Italians, would would be sitting up into into the stadium, getting a better perspective of the watching the game from up in in the crowd or the director's box. Uh, was it Steve McLaren? I think at the time, uh, I think got a lot of uh, praise and press when he would. I think for the first half in a lot of the games that uh, he was managing, uh, he would be up in the stadium, and in the second half, usually he'd come down, and that was seen as kind of like, wow, th- th- this is this is really uh, Steve Koppel also used to do that. Yeah, very very modern kind of like, wow, this is. But the reality is, is a lot of these games I watched the early eighties uh, match of the day was the number of managers who were sitting in the in the director's box or so higher up in the stands. And it was like Laurie McMenemy would be sitting up there. Like the game would be going on, and and at, uh, in the second half he'd come down and he'd be signing autographs as the game was going on. So, <laughs> so that was interesting. The second thing was um, the small attendances, the low attendances in the English first division. Uh, you'd have, or even the second division uh, at the time, you would have had Chelsea in the second division, and how many empty seats there were, or em- empty terraces there were, and, and even in other stadiums. Um, for the big FA Cup games, they were packed out; they were you know, almost sold out. But for a lot of the games, they were just like I mean, there was uh, I think um, Chelsea was one, Burnley was another one, uh, I think Man City. I think there was some a lot of games that just had lots of empty empty seats or empty terraces. Uh, third of all was the number of pitch invasions. Almost every single match of the day I watched, episode I watched, had one or more pitch invasions. So, it, and there was security there. There were police there. There were tons of police standing around, but uh, and and there were fencing around the the ground on the inside to prevent people from from getting on the field. Stanford Bridge in particular was famously had um, that fence. Yeah, right. The, the, yeah, yeah. And, and Stamford Bridge was, uh, at the time, early 80s, was still a bowl stadium. It still had a running yeah. track around. And so so I was surprised. I, I, I guess I forgot the number of pitch invasions. And then number four, and finally, is the, the number of supporters um, around England and Wales singing You'll Never Walk Alone. 
So, I mean, the perception today is that it's a Liverpool anthem. It's always been a Liverpool anthem. Uh, I'm sure it started, I mean, it's uh, kind of a Broadway song, but I'm sure it started at Liverpool and then with the popularity of Liverpool in the late 70s and early 80s, winning so many of the, uh, the cups and tournaments, um, I'm sure that had an impact where then football supporters, not not in Old Trafford, but around the league, both in England and Wales, all of them were singing You'll Never Walk Alone, their version of You'll Never Walk Alone. And that was that was uh, surprising, just in terms of uh, where we are today. So I, I think I'm probably going to do this now, now that you've mentioned this, Chris, and, and dive into the 1980s. I mean, a couple of uh, things that... that the listeners should remember is also uh, you, you talked about the poor quality of football. Uh, football had a very bad reputation in the country in the 1980s. In fact, uh, at times, snooker got higher television numbers. Uh, and uh, the first division match of the day was on BBC. You had live broadcasts on ITV. Uh, th- this was before the Premier League breakaway, which really was very much a result of the 1980s and David Dean, uh, who was the chairman of Arsenal, uh, being a Miami Dolphins fan and, and, and wanting to emulate uh, the NFL, etc. Uh, one other thing that uh, fans should remember is the late 1980s, there had been an exodus of players from England. So you had, uh, not only did you not have the foreign players uh, the, uh, the high no- uh, of note that you have ended up getting uh, once, uh, I, I would say the big signing was when Middlesbrough brought Ravinelli, right, to uh, mm-hmm. to, to borrow, and then uh, uh, Newcastle signed David Junala, and then there, there's this floodgate that opened. It, 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 we've never looked back since then, the last 25 years. Uh, you had an exodus of British players. I mean, the guys like, uh, the top players like the Gary Linekers and the Chris Waddles and the Mark Hughes all went to the continent yeah. uh, to play in, in that period. And uh, English football was hollowed out, and uh, a lot of those players didn't return until the uh, the Premier League days. Uh, I mean, some of them returned a little earlier, maybe 89, 90. Uh, Pews, uh, I don't think Sparky returned until uh, until the Premier League days uh, at yeah. all. I think he was uh, right. He was he was uh, he spent six or seven seasons on the continent. Well, plus, uh, oh, plus the later 80s, too, you had a lot of players like uh, Ian Rush. Uh, Graham Souness, a lot of them going to Italy, so going to yeah, yeah. Ju- Juventus and, uh, and other clubs in Italy. So you had that that too. Um, yeah, it's an interesting period. I, I have gotten, I, I've just been hooked on it. I just watched it uh, this this week, and uh, one of the games too is um, this one you'll remember, Kartik, May nineteen eighty three, Manchester City against Luton on the final day of the season. Yeah, that's L- a relegation. Yeah, Luton managed by David Pleat uh, go to Man City, and uh, whoever loses that game uh, gets relegated. And um, yeah, really, really interesting watching that one for sure. No spoilers there, Kartik. <laughs> as, yeah, I mean, as he sighs. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, what about you, Kartik? Anything else uh, from this past week? That yeah, speaking of Manchester City, there was the, the City uh, QPR match that was on uh, NBC, pro- NBC proper, big NBC, on uh, Saturday. A couple of observations. Once and One, NBC broke in with commercials. Uh, which wait, wait, was, into uh, the game? Yeah. Really? Wow. Yeah, so twenty fourth minute, there was a commercial. Um, yeah. <laughs> so they that was, and they they had uh, they called it Premier League Match of the Week, and they were basically, hey, we'll be back with Premier League Match of the Week uh, after these uh, short messages. The, the usual voiceover person, and uh, they came back, and it was the twenty ninth minute. <laughs> so, so you, um, so you skipped so a few minutes. It, it, 
yeah, so they did that. I noticed it twice, and once, once in the first half, once in the second half. Uh, the the other observation was about the actual uh, uh, commentary. So it was Peter Drury and Craig Burley. This was the Premier League productions feed. Uh, obviously, in the United States, we've never seen this match uh, with the, the this this commentator crew. Remember, this match was live on ESPN in 2012, and uh, their uh, announcers were Ian Dark and Steve McManaman. Uh, the the contrast between Burley and Macca in terms of analysis is, is pretty telling because I think Burley gets really deep into kind of psychological issues and even kind of player movement, players off the ball. Uh, he, 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 he was brilliant as a co-commentator, mm-hmm. and I, I, I think – We've been so used to him now as a studio pundit uh, here in the U.S. that uh, before he moved to the U.S., we forgot what a good co-commentator he was. He was one of the best. Yeah. yeah. And, and being paired with uh, with Peter Drury was probably uh, part of the reason he was able to, to, to say so much and give so much analysis in this match. Because as I remember the ESPN call of the match – we can criticize Macca saying he didn't give the same level of analysis as Burley, which I think in general he wouldn't. But Ian Dark talks a lot more than Peter Drury. And Dark, I remember toward the end of that match, because it was so epic what was unfolding, was doing the commentary and the co-commentary at times, right? <laughs> uh, and I think that's just Ian Dark's style. Yeah. Um, uh, for some reason, though, he pulls it off, in my opinion, better than maybe Arlo White pulls it off. Um, d- uh, Dark does mm-hmm. but that's maybe just personal preferences so that was really interesting the other thing that was really interesting about this match that i guess i had forgotten uh because i hadn't watched it in its entirety since it happened i've watched bits and pieces uh, there was um such a city flavor to qpr you had N- nena manoa who had been a very popular player at city had just moved there in january sean wright phillips who's one of the the all-time favorites of that era for manchester city in fact i, I put him at the top of my list of all-time favorite players with the club he had moved at the beginning of that season to um to uh Queens Park Rangers. Mark Hughes, who had been Manchester City's manager, who that's the reason he signed those two guys, right? Because he, he had had them both at City. Um, he had brought he had actually been the guy who brought Sean Wright Phillips back to Manchester City from uh, from Chelsea, uh, was their manager. And then, of course, Joey Barton. And um, Joey Barton gets sent off. He goes nuts. Uh, Joey Barton was a player that I had a fair amount of sympathy for, I have mm-hmm. to admit, because I felt like uh, Manchester City as a football club had um, they had this guy that was very talented but also very uh, troubled. They never did anything to get him the proper psychological help because he was such a good footballer at an era where if you take Barton out of the team, City might get relegated. So he was one. Of, he was perhaps the best player on those City teams outside of the two center backs in, in Distan and, and Dunn after Wright Phillips got sold to uh, to Chelsea. So I think there was this – re-watching it, I realized Barton is back at City. He is kind of been rejected by the City fans, um, but – Part of him is probably resentful, thinking, you know, this club wouldn't even be here if it wasn't for me. I kept him in the league. Um, they'll think just thinking the way Joey Barton thinks. He goes crazy, gets sent off, and then the guy who escorts him off the pitch, I had forgotten, was Mika Richards, who had been one of his best friends at Manchester City, had gotten into some trouble with him. Um, once Barton was gone from Manchester City, Mika Richards' uh, behavior changed. Maybe was also getting older, but uh, became a model professional. Barton continued um, – 
uh, in his ways. And so that was another like parallel uh, tie between the two clubs and, and the players knowing each other. And, and it was only when Mika came off the bench, you know, in his warm up uh, gear and, and kind of escorted Barton off that he um, that he he went away willingly. And then the, the great line was Peter Drury says, we see people revert to type and revert to form. And that's what Joey Barton did, because everybody had an impression in that era that Joey Barton was just a powder keg. And he had somehow gotten through that season without exploding. Um, and uh, just one last point, people may not remember this, but his uh, his uh, departure to QPR, his signing from QPR began uh, was at the beginning of the season when he took to Twitter um, before Twitter was really fashionable. It was just becoming fashionable at the time to attack Mike Ashley and Alan Pardew. And next thing you know, Pardew puts him on the transfer list and says, he's free. <laughs> what a feat. Just get this guy out of Newcastle. So uh, those were the bookends on Barton's season. In between, he was pretty exemplary right. and really helped QPR. But he started the year by attacking his own, his his chairman and his manager. Um, looking back, I think maybe some Newcastle fans would be more sympathetic towards him now about that. And then at the end, obviously, uh, this, this moment of madness. But watching that again without just like – because the past, we've had these superimposed clips, and I haven't really gotten my head around the match as it was progressing mm-hmm. and how he got set off. Uh, <laughs> and how that, uh, and look, if he doesn't get sent off, uh, Manchester City doesn't win the title. That's, that's the yeah. priority. Yeah. Yeah. So it was uh, it was pretty interesting to watch it again in its entirety without. OK, here's a clip from the 59th minute. Here's a clip from this 87th minute just to watch the, the match unfold that way. All right, Kartik, let's move on to TV streaming news. And um, I'll lead off on this one. And, and this is one of the issues. I mean, this has been going on for so long is the communications from Fox Sports and right at the beginning of this podcast. I actually I think right before we, we were getting ready to record it. You mentioned to me, yep, May 16th, we're back, Bundesliga. I was like, wait, 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 it's May 15th, right? It's like the Friday game we're going to have. And and the issue is, I think this might be coming, I don't know if, if you saw it, Kartik, but uh, Fox Soccer uh, sent out a tweet today on Thursday saying, hey, it's official, Bundesliga back, May 16th, which is the Saturday. Uh, in the meantime, you have uh, Fox Soccer... Uh, Ian Joy, who's on top of the Bundesliga more than Fox Sports is in terms of communication, he's like, hey, great news. The Bundesliga returns May 15th. As far as I know, May 15th is the return date, which is a Friday, uh, which would be, I think, the Fortuna Dusseldorf game is, is on the Friday. What, we're, what they're going to do is go back to um, match day 26 and start from there, which is the, uh, the first weekend that had been uh, postponed. So, uh, again, the issue I have is with Fox is just the lack of communication or miscommunication. Uh, we believe that May 15th is the correct time. I mean, we'll, we'll look at it as we're doing this um, podcast. But uh, but as of right now, no news yet in terms of uh, which channels are going to show these games. Of course, don't forget, though, too, that uh, Tudo NA has coverage of the Bundesliga 2. It'll be interesting to see on the, on the Spanish side, Kartik, if they go all out. If the English side on the Fox doesn't, maybe Tudo NA and Univision says, screw this, we're going to go, you mean, big time. We're going to have all these games uh, on Spanish language television available to as, to as many people as possible. That's quite possible, especially with uh, there being a, 
there is an appetite for soccer, um, but uh, definitely among the hardcore fans. But yeah, Bundesliga returning the weekend of May 15th, May 16th. And uh, we'll try and get some clarification on that on that as we do this pod. Next up is the K-League. So we mentioned the Korean League is back. Um, this has been an uh, ever-changing story to like last week, I think on the podcast, we talked about uh, how we, we downplayed uh, ESPN's involvement in this. And we've, we believe that ESPN Plus, we didn't think was going to get it. And it has now been confirmed that uh, for the rights to this season, which starts on Friday, the rights for the United States are going to be with Copa 90. The YouTube channel. Oh, wow. So they will sh- broadcast one game a week. Um, the game this weekend is going to be also on the K League uh, YouTube channel too. So it's Jion uh, uh, Book against uh, Suwon, and that is on Friday, May eighth, live. And the difference with with the Korean League too is they're going to have fans in the stadium, I believe. So it's going to be at six o'clock in the morning Eastern time. Uh, on Friday, May 8th, and that'll be live on the YouTube K-League channel and also the, the YouTube uh, Copa 90 channel. And then subsequently thereafter, every week, there'll be one game a weekend on Copa 90 YouTube channel. Whew. Okay. But the interesting thing about this, Kartik, is that the level of excitement last week when there was news from Sports Pro that they said that ESPN Plus or ESPN was very interested in acquiring the rights to this league. And we found out later that uh, Sports Pro removed the ESPN name from that story. So obviously they got the sources wrong on that one. But the level of excitement about ESPN Plus getting the rights to the K-League was far greater, Kartik, than the the reality, which is confirmed news that... Copa 90 and YouTube get get the uh, the rights to the league. So in the space of one week, uh, you would think that people would get excited about the K-League being on anywhere, available through YouTube for free, or Twitter, or wherever. But people got more excited about it because it was on ESPN+. What does that say? About well, the- it's also because a lot of us are wasting our ESPN Plus subscriptions during the shutdown. So right. I, I still watch ESPN FC, although I'll admit I have not been watching it as religiously as I – I mean I watch it every day normally, and I've watched it two, three times a week. This week there was a great conversation, uh, Herc Gomez, Seb Salazar, and Ali Moreno about the U.S. men's national team. And uh, you can pretty much guess their, <laughs> their analysis, right, based on on the personalities involved. But um, So they, they're still producing that. But other than that – I have used ESP other than watching ESPN FC. I have used ESPN Plus once in the last eight weeks, which was to watch a, a thirty for thirty on the uh, the, the match fixing scandal or point shaving scandal at, at Boston College in the late nineteen seventies. Boston College basketball, uh, and I it's a, it's a, uh, a thirty for thirty I had watched before, and I just felt like watching again. That's it. I've used it once in eight weeks, but continue to pay for it. Mm-hmm. So I think that was probably an explanation for part of. Um, the uh, the excitement about it. Now I'm, I said I'm probably going to binge on uh, the Last Dance at some point, so I will certainly use it at that uh, to do that. But that's it. All you've gotten out of it is thirty for thirties and and, and ESPN FC. So yeah. there is, I think, a hankering to use the subscription or um, or cut the subscription. Now uh, again, a lot of people's subscriptions are tied to their to their Disney Plus and their Hulu, so they probably won't cut it, but they feel like it's being wasted. <laughs> they want at least to feel like 
that's not money being wasted. I, I guess this is good news, though, for the Bundesliga for next season because the level of people, the, the amount of people who are excited about ESPN getting it, they're like, yeah, you mean the number of retweets we got and the, the number of likes and people commenting saying, this is incredible. And then the news that it's uh, the official news that uh, it's available on YouTube got very little uh, interest or response. That's good news. That I think that in some ways, I mean, We've talk, talked about this in detail about ESPN Plus and getting rights to different leagues and whether ESPN Plus is a step down or a step up from, from Fox. And um, in some ways, from the level of excitement and the number of uh, people that get excited about ES, like new, new leagues being added to ESPN Plus, this could actually help uh, the, the Bundesliga next season. I, I just think it's really strange. To me, it's like, you mean, make the league available wherever, I mean, the K-League, and uh, I will find it. I think the ESPN Plus thing also for the Bundesliga, the more I think about it, I, I've realized and I've thought about it during this eight-week layoff, there is a uh, – and I watch Serie A, and I think people – misjudged the league a lot but there is a Serie A has a pretty bad reputation among uh, a lot of American soccer fans and uh, just uh, kind of anglicized fans of the uh, of the sport in a way that uh, the Bundesliga doesn't so um, I think that it may actually help uh, the move to ESPN may help the Bundesliga more than it helps Serie A I mean it did there's no question it's helped Serie A but I uh, had envisioned a much bigger jump when it moved from BN to ESPN than what we've seen. And uh, maybe that uh, that has to do with the other factors in Italian football, the, the reputation for, for racism, the, lo- the, the sterile atmospheres at the games, the, the, the kind of slowness of play, which I like the probing kind of build up play with a with with a lot of tactical variation whereas the Bundesliga uh, there's really every team is playing the same way now they're playing with Gengen pressing and there's the games are all wide open or 3-2 4-2 people who follow me closely know I've complained a lot about the 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 level of defending in the Bundesliga and how much uh, how many more goals there are scored in that league than in other leagues but I guess that's what people want so uh, I think their move to ESPN Plus is going to uh, reap dividends, especially if there is, and we said earlier in the show, there may not be a bump with them on Fox uh, for the end of this season, but they are now going to finish the season. So maybe yep. that gives them uh, more momentum than the other leagues would have anyway. Okay, Kartik, so this just right in, and I have to apologize to Fox Sports for this, but so the league will continue and will resume on May 16th. So it is Saturday, May 16th. It's not going to be fr- the Friday game. And what the Fortuna pre- Dusseldorf match is the 16th then? Yeah. yeah. Well, it's, yeah. It, yeah, it's not the 15th. So the press release, which is in German, and my German's not that good, but I'm using Google Translate, but we'll say, it says that uh, the league, the DFL, has decided to continue the season in quotation marks from May 15th onwards. And then May 16th was finally determined as the exact date. So the, um, the league will return on Saturday, May 16th, which actually... I guess might be better if um, if those game. I mean, knowing the German league, they're not going to spread those games back to back to back. They're going to play the games at the traditional kickoff times and it make it. You mean know, it's not going to be a very TV friendly schedule. Um, so, but that's done for supporters, right? This is why they've kept the true, the, uh, true. So uh, maybe. 3.30 local time traditional kickoff. Um, so I don't know if that's necessary, if they're not going to have uh, spectators. Maybe they can stagger the kickoffs. <laughs> they could, that's true. That's an excellent point, Kartik. So maybe they can stagger the, the uh, kickoff times because there won't be any fans in the stadium. 
Um, that would be good. I mean, go. I mean, if if you were the Bundesliga, you I mean that makes perfect sense, right? Just kick off the games first game at say um, nine thirty. You mean Eastern time, United States time, three thirty, which is their traditional time, but then start playing games. Yeah, three thirty, five thirty, seven thirty, and then yeah. So we will have to wait and see what that schedule looks like for the, the opening weekend, and also at the same time, uh, what the TV schedule is going to be if if Fox is going all in uh, or not. So and, um, and not having spectators, I think, might give them more flexibility to play matches during the week. Because uh, those of you who don't know Germany, there's been a huge backlash against Monday night matches that we have not seen in the other leagues, that uh, including England and and, and, Fr- and France, that have had game, a lot of traditionally a lot of games on Monday night, uh, uh, working class people don't feel like they should be. It's very different than Friday. Friday, it's a weeknight, but they, they, they can sleep in the next day, whatever. It's a weekend. Uh, there's been a huge, and we've seen these massive protests the last few years uh, about Monday night football in Germany. I wonder if this is an opportunity for the Bundesliga, because the reason they wanted to do Monday night football was for television. Yep. Um, if this is an opportunity for them to kind of maybe phase that in and, well, the the, the, the might not be as hostile to it. Yeah, the, the, the TV, the Monday night football ones have been eliminated. I think was it next season? The, the last season, but they've yeah. decided that they're not going to continue that. But uh, but yeah, one of the games that we, that that weekend, so the May sixteenth um, weekend, is going to be Dortmund against Schalke. You mean so you got the uh, was it the Riviera Derby there? Yep. So uh, again, it's going to be in an empty stadium at uh, uh, Signal uh, Iduna Park, but. Um, opportunity there to have that one on big fox hey why not just have it over the air fox and the bundesliga has talked about and we spoke about this what eight weeks ago they have discussed the possibility of having uh, canned crowd noises uh in the stadium so there is at least some noise i'm uh, yeah we'll see we'll see i'm excited about that one so again apologies to fox soccer uh you guys got it right so uh, there you go and then and I guess the next thing I need to do with that match is check if Marco Royce is actually fit. Uh, this, may, <laughs> this may have gotten him a chance to get fit, and maybe if he can stay fit, Dortmund can win the title. I mean, that's... Uh, dream on, Kartik, dream on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> he never, he's never fit for more than four or five matches, but I would maintain, uh, just that this isn't TV, this is football, uh, football-specific comment, that when Royce is fit, he's still one of the 10 or 15 best players in yeah. the world, I think. But he's always injured. Well, that, that, that's her German many too right all his injuries well the, the other thing though too about when play does resume so we got the bundesliga kicking off and we got the, i mean the premier league still talking about june 6 is whether the teams will whether the results will actually be more at random you mean so yeah. bayern munich coming into i mean into the coronavirus into into the end of that we're on a winning streak we're unstoppable now are they, they, they able to games 5 nil, 6 nil. i mean it was yeah. so we're so they so look, look uh, yeah so are they able to continue that you mean once the right. the season starts uh, next weekend will that continue uh, or will it be more random results where you get freak results where all of a sudden you get teams beating other teams that uh you mean whether fitness levels or you mean this there's a lot more variables at play now Last but not least, Kartik, in the news section is that uh, BR Live has uh, taken down the paywall. So if you want to go and uh, visit uh, BR Live and check it out, uh, you can do so for free. They've got um, free streams of uh, classic UEFA Champions League games, Europa League games, uh, and more. Spurs TV, Arsenal TV. Uh, I think the only two things on there for soccer fans that are still behind paywalls 
are LFC uh, TV and MUTV. And uh, moving on to list of mailbag, uh, we've got one this week uh, from World Soccer Shop. So World Soccer Shop says, uh, here's one of the best podcasts in 2020. In addition to chats about soccer from around the world, the World Soccer Talk podcast answers a question we've all had every single weekend for the last 10 years. What channels and streaming sites are showing soccer, specifically the matches I want to watch this weekend? They'll analyze coverage quality and viewing options for the American soccer fan, as well as interviews with the likes of Taylor Twelman and Derek Ray, and finally a wide range of coverage, making this a solid addition to your soccer podcast lineup. And Kartik, we're in the um, I think top five uh, top uh, soccer podcasts, so uh, c- congratulations and uh, thank you, World Soccer Shop. Yeah, I want to thank our friends at World Soccer Shop for that, and uh, that also includes uh, uh, listening to uh, our uh, our great interview series that we've uh, that we've started up in the last few months. Absolutely. All right. So we want you to have your say. So you, if you have any questions for us about coverage on television or streaming or apps, uh, want, to, want to disagree with us or add some additional observations or insights or let us know what you've been watching, uh, let us know. We want you to have your say. You can always reach us via email through web at worldsoccertalk.com as well as facebook.com slash worldsoccertalk and on Twitter at worldsoccertalk. Plus, of course, you can always post your comments on worldsoccertalk.com. So thank you for listening. You can get a new episode of the podcast every Thursday across all of your uh, iTunes and podcast players as well as YouTube. Um, speaking of YouTube, we added a, a uh, interview this week. Uh, actually, it was a, a live stream between Kartik and I. Uh, talking about and sharing uh, videos of our favorite uh, football shirts from our collections. And it's a pretty wide and varied uh, array of shirts from both Kartik and I. So if you want to check that out, go to youtube.com slash worldsoccertalk. And if you like the show, share it with your friends on social media and give us a review on iTunes. In Kartik, heading into another weekend, um, no live soccer other than the Korean League. Are you going to be tuning in for that one, you think, or...? I might. I mean, I, I, I think out of curiosity, I might watch uh, a match. But uh, I'm now with the Bundesliga scheduled to return May 16th. I, I'm less sweaty about watching these other leagues that are going on. I mean, and, and in fact, since the Bundesliga is one of the two leagues in Europe I focus on the most anyway, uh, it, it's it's going to be uh, – I'm not going to say it's going to be normal because you don't have European um, – you don't have European football midweek, and so there's there's not going to be uh, the occasion to talk about Dortmund and, and Leipzig. Well, Dortmund's out of Europe now, but Leipzig and, and Bayern in the Champions League. Uh, it's still uh, it's going to feel a little bit more like normal, I think, with the Bundesliga <laughs> back. So I'm not sure if I can if I'll embrace the K League the way I might have otherwise. I'll watch it. I, I think I'll watch the first game and then um, see how it is, and, and then just uh, just soak in the being able to actually watch a live soccer match and probably you mean cast it to my television set and just watch it on a big screen and do something a little bit different just because it's been so long and uh, kudos to the Korean League for uh, kicking it off so Kartik heading into another weekend uh, what should the listeners do enjoy your football